Hey, Jason, this is uh, Patrick Anderson. Just wanted to say congrats on a thousand episodes and wanted to let you know how much I appreciate all the education you've uh, given. Uh, me personally, it's helped a lot. I just wanted to reach out and say uh, thank you for everything you've done and uh, appreciate all your help in uh, real estate investing. Have a great day. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome to episode 1237, 1237, and thanks for joining us today. Hey, I know you always love client case studies, and we have another one for you today. It's a great one. It is a man of the cloth, a rabbi. Uh, rabbi Evan Moffick is with us, and he's been buying properties through us for a pretty short time, and he's up to five properties already. He's just doing a great job, and uh, I must tell you before we start, he is in the airport, but really wanted to thank you, Evan, for coming on the show. We may hear a little background noise, but we'll deal with it. How you doing? I'm doing great, Jason. Anytime a chance to talk to you is just wonderful. Well, thank you for coming on. The reason you're in the airport is because you just went to visit one of the properties you're buying through our network today in St. Augustine, Florida. Is that correct? Yes, in uh, Volano Beach area. Uh-huh. Fantastic. So you just came out from Chicago. You live in Chicago. You came out last night or yesterday, I guess, and then you uh, stayed one night and you're going back now. And uh, how did you like your property today? Tell us about St. Augustine and uh, Jacksonville. Oh, it's charming. I mean, St. Augustine is such a beautiful city, so much history. We went on a bus tour. Uh, I actually did the bus tour before looking at all the historical sites. And then this area of Volano Beach is really unique because the house I'm looking at, there's beaches on both ends of the street. Right. So you literally, you go down the street and you cross the A1A and you're at the ocean. You go down the other way on the street and you're at the intercoastal, which yeah. <laughs> has a beach a lot of the time. I guess that at high tide, there's not much of a beach. But it was charming, and the water felt like it was 85 degrees. Oh, yeah, it's like a bathtub. It's it's beautiful there. You know, as I as you heard on the podcast, I was just there a few weeks ago. Absolutely love St. Augustine. It's just a charming little place. And it is America's oldest city, too, or America's first city, I guess I should say. So you bought a short-term rental property there, and then you had reached out to me on Voxer the other day, and then we, we set up this call as we got to talking, because you've got half your portfolio basically in terms of dollar amount in the good conservative long-term rentals. I know you're buying in Memphis or you have purchased there, right. I should say. And then this is the one short-term rental property in your portfolio. So that's nice and balanced, I think. I hope so. You know, it makes me nervous a little bit. The long-term rentals just seem consistent. I could see in a recession, people still need to work. People still need a place to live and their homes are cheap. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's a certain comfort level with the sort of C plus B minus kind of properties. They're more like B minus. They're not. They're, they're decent properties. So this made me nervous initially. But then that's actually why I came out and visited. 
but I saw the house or saw it being built. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. And it isn't that much, I mean, it's more expensive, but it's not like I'm paying a million dollars. Right. That was one of the advantages, it seemed to me, of St. Augustine and Jacksonville is you can still get properties by the coast for much less than you can get anywhere and have cash flow. Yeah, no question about it. Now, how much did you pay for that one? Price is four sixty nine. Four sixty nine for that one. Are you going to visit it and use it at all for yourself and your own enjoyment, or strictly you looking at it as an investment only? I mean, we want to definitely use it. I'd say ninety percent of the focus is on renting it out. Mm-hmm. But we would definitely. I mean, we have vacationed in Jacksonville, St. Augustine before. We have family there, so I would think we would use it. I mean, for this type of property, that was sort of one of the criteria that this would be someplace we would feel comfortable living, vacationing, enjoying. I mean, my wife and I are actually going to come out here again later in the summer because I got to run everything at least by her once. I mean, she trusts me, <laughs> but uh, not that much. <laughs> sure. Uh, and so, <laughs> so I could definitely see us vacationing here and, and maybe, you know, at one point in time, you know, retiring here. I've, I haven't, I've been in so many other parts of Florida, which is more common for, mm-hmm. you know, as a man of the cloth, I have people in my congregation that are retired or at least spend the winter in other parts of Florida, mostly South Florida and Sarasota, mm-hmm. not many in Jacksonville, St. Augustine, but I could see ourselves here. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. How many people in your congregation, by the way? We have about 500. Actually, now it's more than that, uh, about 600 families. Oh, yeah. That's that's big. Good. Good for you. One of the things, and you know, we'll kind of maybe go on tangents back and forth, but one of the things you mentioned that I thought was interesting and funny, and I got to just ask you about religion, because I don't think we have another rabbi as a client, so uh, it's awesome to have you. You said to me, before we started on this call today, you said... Well, I can tell you one other thing yeah. about why. This is one thing I've learned from you. Rabbis are were paid nicely. It's a great living. Mm-hmm. But there's a wonderful retirement plan mm-hmm. that we get. And there's some great bonuses. There's some tax issues called parsonage. But it's all equities. Mm-hmm. It's all equities and bonds. And, you know, that's most people just retire with a large stock heavy portfolio. Right. And that's fine. Of course, I have some. But as you've talked about, that's not a great investment. Mm-hmm. You can do so much better oh, with yeah. single family rentals. Much and better. so that was one of the reasons I wanted to invest in that way. And I think many rabbis are just either don't want to think about it. It's just easier. The congregation signs you up for this plan. You go into it. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. This, it takes a little bit of, of, you know, to use that cliche, thinking outside the box yeah. to actually go and do this. Yeah, you know, compared to just giving your money to some financial advisor and, you know, literally giving it to him or her because you're probably going to be losing it, (laughs) or at least some of it, it does take some work. I mean, the real estate game takes some effort. And that's why I just say, you know, this whole passive income thing is it's complete. It's bogus. It's it's absolute. You know, it's it's a lie. It's a big lie. The funny thing I was going to mention to our listeners that I love that you just said, you said to me, religion is like a derivative. <laughs> and, and and as you know, you always hear me talking about derivatives as the thing about the thing. So elaborate on that, if you would. I thought it was uh, it, it was interesting. Well, let's say everything is God, okay? So have a sort of this spiritual idea that the entire world is God. There's a movement in Judaism called Hasidic Judaism, mm-hmm. and that was their idea. Everything is God. Mm-hmm. And so the human experience, the relationships, physicality, our bodies, our whole experience of life is a derivative of God. Hmm. God is everything. We're part of God. I really do see it that way. I, I think it's a perspective. And I don't even think you have to be religious to understand that. In some ways, all relationships are a derivative. You could say that we're, they're a derivative of, of this idea of love mm-hmm. or of connection. Yeah. You know, life is 
full of derivatives. I mean, I guess the only non-derivative is your direct experience. But mm-hmm. even once it processes through the brain, it's a derivative. You're, you're, the way yeah. you think of it is a derivative. Mm-hmm. So I, I really do think, and I think some of the great, there was a great rabbi named Abraham Joshua Heschel, and he said all the entire Bible is a derivative of the name of God, mm-hmm. that God pronounces Adonai, I am God, and then everything else is just a derivative off of that of that one word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. And, you know, speaking of rabbis on Voxer, when we were messaging back and forth uh, two days ago, I think, or maybe yesterday, I told you that I read a couple of the books by a rabbi, Harold Kirshner, years ago, or Kushner, I guess. It's not Kirshner, sorry. Yes. I love his book, Who Needs God? It was awesome. Oh. And I, you know what I love from that book is in the beginning, when he talks about, he compares a sunset to the moon landings. And he's mm-hmm. he's like 88 years old now, I think you said. And he says that, you know, no two sunsets are alike. Every one of them is pretty remarkable, okay? And the moon landing, and he was just saying things that are godly, if you will, versus man-made. That's what he was talking about. And, you know, I read this like 25 years ago, okay? So forgive me. Uh, but he right. just talked about, and he said, we get bored with the man-made things rather quickly. And he used the moon landing as the example. He said, in 1969, when we first landed on the moon, the whole planet was watching. I mean, it was yes. the most incredible thing ever. And then by the second moon landing, you know, it was like, if I have time, I'll watch it. You know, it's still interesting, but it's not yeah. that big a deal. And by the third one, NASA had to stage a lunar golf game to keep the public interested and keep the money flowing to the space program. Isn't that right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Isn't so, that true about the human experience yeah, generally? Is. We adapt we, we really quickly, yeah. Another favorite Kushner story, which I think actually is really helpful for real estate investing. Mm-hmm. He talks about how if a child builds a sandcastle and then a wave comes in and knocks over the sandcastle, the child laughs and then rebuilds it and mm-hmm. goes on. But we will dwell on past tragedies, past mm-hmm. mistakes. We get upset and we can't let it go. We can learn from children. Just let it go and move on to the next thing. Right. And I think with real estate, right, too, you always say there are going to be hiccups. There are oh, going yeah. to be mistakes. You just have to keep going with it. You can't lose faith. You can't lose your focus Mm -hmm. just because one thing goes wrong. Yeah, no question about it. You know, I interviewed the founder of DuckDuckGo, the search engine. I'm listening to the audio version of his book, Super Learning, which is excellent, by the way, or maybe Mm -hmm. it's called Super Thinking. It's really quite good. And one of the things he says in there is he says that a mistake and I think I'm thinking of the right book and right author, a mistake repeated more than once isn't a mistake, it's a decision. And mm. and I thought that was interesting because, uh, you know, if you do it once, it's a mistake, but if you keep repeating the mistake, it's actually a decision. It's called Super Thinking, by the way, and it's the subtitle is The Big Book of Mental Models. And so that, that's a really oh, I'm interesting... Oh, that. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. That's a really interesting model, if you will, for real estate, right? The kid just enjoys the experience, realizes, hey, they're learning from it, and so forth. And we're all going to have huge challenges in our lives. Uh, Of course, you counsel people about that, I'm sure, every day. Oh, yeah. And we're going to have them with real estate investing, too. But another interesting thing about that, one of our clients, Sean, who's actually been on the show, he, he actually just sent me a message today. He was having a real struggle with some of his properties before, and I think he's going to come back on the show and talk about it. Sean, come back on. We'd love to hear it. He talked about how it's taken, I think, about two years, and he got them back on track. It took some real effort to do it and some real faith 
that it was going to work out. And he mm-hmm. said, and then I checked and they've all appreciated so nicely. And it's amazing how just a little bit of appreciation can make up for a few months of vacancy, lots of problems. And, you know, it's kind of the people that just stick with the program are the ones who just win the game, don't they? Oh, yeah. One thing I often think about that you've said is I've invested in some syndications, too, and done fine. I mean, there are people I really trust, uh, but I don't see the hiccups on those. Right. I'm sure they do. They do. And my returns probably are affected by them, but I don't see them. So whenever I have a hiccup here, like, a, you know, $95 for a door lock change, I'm like, oh, come on. And I think, you know, okay, I'm going to talk to the property manager about this. I'm not going to let anything get away. That's, that's not appropriate. But I realize that's par for the course and that Mm -hmm. even in my syndications where I don't see that directly, that kind of stuff is happening. The syndicator is feeling all that stuff all the time. Right. You're just not noticing it. It's it's there and it's eating away at your return. You just don't you don't see it. You know, it's just normal operations. And I invested in those before I heard pools are for pools. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, make that clear. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So tell us a little bit about your portfolio. Uh, now, you've been investing with us for just like less than a year, right? Right. So I've got some properties outside the network, which, mm-hmm. you know, are fine. But one thing I have noticed, you know, I did a lot of research. I'm, I'm probably typical for your clients. I know you, you have a strong clientele. Your clients are not people that are just will do whatever they're told. They're people that research. And, you know, having done research, you have the best property managers. You don't mm-hmm. go with the low end. Well, I mean, we kick one. them out. We believe me, we've had property manager problems, but we just get we just fire them. I know. And, yeah. and I'm not going to say any, but I had talked with another uh, one of your competitors. I won't mm-hmm. say their name and had, had, had done a little bit of, of research and they put me in touch with a property manager. And it turned out the person living in the property was a felon. Uh, and, uh, and I I was, they didn't even know it. They didn't, I had, all I had to do was Google the name. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really not, you know, uh, but it it was very disappointing. So, so you mean that, that, that property manager placed a felon in one of your properties? Uh, Now the property manager might also be a felon. (laughs) You never know. No, no, no. It was an existing, it was a a house that was for sale that had a tenant already in place. Oh, got it, got it. So I had gotten to the point, and so I saw, and I just Googled the name of the tenant, and it was front page news. Mm -hmm. Oh, Uh, my uh, gosh. That's that's really bad. shocking. Yeah. It was shocking. Yeah, yeah. The property management industry is is a real doozy, I tell you. (laughs) Yeah. It really is. You you do the vetting that even if someone had time to do it, Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't know the right questions to ask. So it's a huge service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. And we will keep doing that. And a lot of the the vetting, if you will, comes after we're working with them sometimes when we just realize they've become complacent, ungrateful, whatever, and they just get greedy. And they strange thing about the human condition, you know, we have this constant discontent you know, you might call it constructive discontent, and that's good. It makes for progress. But yes. some of it's just bad. At some point, you got to get your hand out of the cookie jar, you know, and <laughs> that's that's what happens with a lot of these managers. So, I mean, I see that all the time in, in people that I counsel, members of my congregation, very successful, very affluent. Mm-hmm. And there are people who, even with all that, are just never content. Yeah. There is something to be said about enough. Mm-hmm. Once you're comfortable, just try to do something that's engaged. I mean, you love doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, you, yeah. you had a very successful career before that. And that's the true key to happiness. 
Money's great, but money comes out of the pursuit of something that's engaging and meaningful. Yeah, I agree. You know, I I look at my career as more like a mission. It's like a cause. I believe in it like it's this this cause, you know, like we're fighting a battle for the little guy, you know, who's getting ripped off with with other investments. And so, uh, yeah, that's definitely the thing. But you sent me this very nice email and you said uh, you called it 12 random nuggets of Jason Hartman, <laughs> wisdom from Jason Hartman. <laughs> so I love, yeah. I love it. You want there to talk about that? More. Yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you have it in front of you? Yes, I have it right here. I think one of the things I love about your show and just the way you teach generally is it's conceptual. Mm-hmm. It's not just here's the best way to get a loan. That stuff is important. I All of that is important. What questions you need to ask your property manager, those kind of issues. But that's all important. But to me, it's the conceptual stuff that really makes the difference in, in how you think about it. Because the other kinds of questions you can look up, but thinking about how do I control taxes? Mm-hmm. That is a conceptual issue. What kind of investments do I make? So that really is, you think about a mortgage as an asset rather than a debt. That really, when I first heard it, I'm like, come on, that doesn't make <laughs> any sense. And then it, it makes more and more sense. Sure. Embrace the fragmentation mm-hmm. that actually the way we can make better investments in this industry is because it's fragmented. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, that gives us the opportunity to, to, to have arbitration. So these kind of conceptual issues, mm-hmm. to me, is what sets you apart and what sets the, not only that, but sets the successful investor apart. I've noticed that not just in real estate, but in, in other areas of life. It's the people who can really think about the broader issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That may sound like common sense, but there's that great, I think it's Oliver Wendell Holmes quote, who said, I'm not searching just for simplicity but I'm searching for the simplicity on the other side of complexity. Mm. So it's getting these these big ideas that are a little bit hard to understand, but once you understand them, they're kind of good guidelines for how to think about investing. Yeah, well, thanks. I'm glad that that's meaningful to you. And I, you know, I agree. I mean, our, our education system is maybe a good comparison, right? You know, most of it is regurgitating from memory things that you learn versus how to think. I just think it's more important how to think. And, you know, that's why I, I do the 10th episode shows, because uh, everybody listening is much more than an investor. The investor, being an investor is just a vehicle, right? Some people love it and really do have a passion for real estate. And some people are like, "Eh, you know, it's just a way to have financial freedom. So whatever it is for you is is fine. But we're all whole people, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Ratios. I mean, thinking about life in terms of ratios, you've talked about how what a 1% increase in interest rates leads to a 10% decrease in house purchases or, or in prices, price. prices. Well, to right. be even, you know, if you have a 1% rate increase, which is really, of course, not 1% because it's the percentage of the existing rate is what it really is, of course, but that's more right. complicated. But yeah, if you see it go up from four to 5%, for example, you've got to see the price of the house come down 10% to equalize. And conversely, if you see the interest rate drop like it has now, the value of every house, if it's a 1% drop overall, the value of every house just increased by 10%. Think about it that way too, right? In one of my books, a book about happiness, there is a ratio for successful relationships. There's this incredible doctor. You could interview him sometime. He's amazing. And Dr. John Gottman. Mm-hmm. In Seattle. Oh, I, I think like I've interviewed Mary John Gottman already. Yeah, I, oh. I think I have. Oh, he's yeah. incredible. Okay, mm-hmm. I've not not. I've, I've, you probably read that it. name is definitely familiar. Yeah. Well, he talks about the ratio of interactions uh-huh. in a successful relationship. You have at least five positive interactions 
for every negative interaction. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, God, this, you know, I can't believe you said that to this person. That's a negative interaction. You need five positive interactions to counterbalance that. And he, Gottman is so famous because he can essentially predict whether the relationship is going to work yeah. with like 90%. It's uh-huh. incredible. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Ratios, ratios. And you know, I, I thought about that with the decline in interest rates. I mean, in my most recent property, it's not going to be finished for another eight months. And there's some advantages to that, right? Because the pricing is based on the market right now. I mean, of course, he's, you know, he's got to, I'm sure that he takes into account the timing. But there can, if interest rates further go down, there's some appreciation even from the price that we get in, in May. That's true. And if rates go up, there won't be appreciation from the interest rates, but there probably will be right. some appreciation just from time passing alone. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Now, when you buy a property that has a long lead time, I mean, the perfect example of this, we have two big ones. It happened in Kansas City with a really good vendor that we had for years, a local market specialist who just went south, got into, he got into some financial problems. We don't recommend them anymore, but there were huge delays and everybody's like, when is my house going to be finished? Well, mm-hmm. you know, Lance, if you're listening, I'm thinking of your story <laughs> uh, right now. You know, people saw giant price increases during that time. So it actually benefited them that, that we had the delay. The same thing happened to us in St. Louis years ago when we were recommending St. Louis. That local market specialist, we just basically gave him two met much business and he just could not keep up. And so there were big delays and everybody was really anxious to close thinking like, Hey, I want to start my tax write off and start getting the return on investment from the cash flow. I agree with you, but you actually made way more money because you locked in the price today and the price was going up at the same time. Now, if the market went down, that would have worked the opposite way. I just have to say that it doesn't always work right, right but it happened to work out right in these circumstances. Right. You never know, right? It's a risk, but right. Generally, real estate rises more than it falls over that, time. That's so for sure. <laughs> you benefit from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. What are some of the other uh, little nuggets that you want to share? Well, of course, money or currency, not, you know, use currency instead of money, just like you, you like to use income property. And that's your preferred term. But currency is a commodity like anything else. Mm-hmm. When it's cheap, get it. Mm-hmm. You know, you were saying that three, four years ago, especially 2016. But know when, when when you can borrow for such low rates like oh, kind yeah. of we're going through right now get as many mortgages as you can i mean that's people don't think of money that way but right. it is i don't even know somebody just said maybe it was on your podcast that essentially even when you're paying with a dollar bill mm-hmm. you're paying with debt because that dollar bill is simply a, a debt claim on the treasury oh yeah all, it's all, it's all, all debt. of our money I is mean, debt. money right. is created for or currency is created out of debt for sure they say the you know, people who talk and teach about the Federal Reserve, the way the fractional reserve banking works is money is lent into existence. Right. And that's, yeah, yeah it's a very esoteric thing to really truly comprehend that. I mean, I don't know if I even truly get it. It's a real complicated thing. Yeah, go ahead. The way I started to comprehend it was through my HELOC, you mm-hmm. know, essentially. I mean, I know that there there is a physical asset backing that, but suddenly there's this money I can spend that I didn't have before, mm-hmm. you know, and the bank essentially creates it. It was locked up in the house before. But right. then once it's with the government creating money, there isn't essentially an asset except the brand or the full faith and power of the United States government that allows 
the Treasury or the Federal Reserve to lend money into existence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty great deal they have. And basically, we're just doing what the Federal Reserve and the government do on a much smaller scale, on a personal scale. So we're kind of doing that same arbitrage game that they're doing in in a personal way. So, yeah. Right. The other thing that I've kind of realized, this isn't such a lesson, but so much of this business is trust. Mm-hmm. In a way, that's part of the value that you give is essentially helping create the situations where there's trust, that you've already shown you trust in the vendors. I mean, you know, I come down here. I don't know these folks. And part of my coming down is to verify. But every time I've verified, it's been wonderful. And there is a kind of trust that you have to have in order for this to work. Like I'm just thinking today I met with one of the property managers that works with your local market specialist. Mm-hmm. And she was phenomenal. I was like, if this person's on my team, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, makes makes all the difference. And so that's just one another lesson. That's not really a nugget, a Jason Hartman nugget. It's more like a derivative of my Jason Hartman experience. Right. Learning how important trust is in doing these the successful investments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. You know, number 10 in your nugget list here is notice the context, not just the content. I love that one. Yeah. Well, that's true in everything. It sure, right? sure is. I mean, yeah. Right. Again, this, there's a religious notion to this. Mm-hmm. A fish doesn't know what water it is. Mm-hmm. Right. And in some ways, a re- God, for a deeply spiritual person, God is like the air we breathe. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. So sometimes we don't notice. You know, for me, as a rabbi, part of the reason to pray and to study, study Bible, study Talmud, is to notice God, because God's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so that's the context. Right. There's a great Einstein quote, which sort of fits this, where he says, you know, you can either wake up every day thinking the world is a hostile place or the uh-huh. world is a kind place. Right. The choice is yours, and it makes all the difference. It's mm-hmm. how we see that context. No question about it. No question about it. That context, I guess there are maybe two contexts, right? There's the sort of the real-world actual context in which we live, our environment, our, yeah. the people we know. Yeah. And then there's the one that we literally create in our head by how we view everything, like you said. You know, you can wake up seeing the world as a really kind place or a really hostile place. And amazingly, some people truly live in really hostile environments, but they don't view the world that way. Or some people live in really scarce environments. And Mother Teresa is an obvious example. You know, when she was alive, you know, she lived in this environment of terrible scarcity, but she was this really amazing person who kind of rose above all that and saw it in another way, you know? Right. You know what? It's interesting. Judaism, that's not the religious show, but Judaism generally sees the world in terms of abundance. You know, in Christianity, there's always been kind of a glorification of poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the idea of, of monks, and there, there's kind of been this idea of, of the suffering servant. Judaism never had that. There was hmm. always a sense that the world is an abundant place. That's why there's nothing wrong in Judaism with gathering wealth. Mm-hmm. Now, with that wealth, you're supposed to give. There's a deep mm-hmm. sense of philanthropy. Right. But the world is an abundant place, and God gave us these resources to make the most of it. And I think that's partially why, you know, Jews have been generally successful in a lot right. of, in, in pursuits. Well, also the, the education level of, of the Jewish community is very high, obviously, you know, that always dominating the professions and, but, you know, interestingly, the dominating the professions concept now that has kind of been disrupted, right? You know, it used to be, if you were a doctor or a lawyer, that was a 
a very big deal and you sort of wrote your own ticket in life. And that's not even true for them anymore, is it? No, yeah. no. And you know what's happened to this is sort of part of Jews. This is I've, I've written about this from a historical point of view. Jews are now American, you know, mm-hmm. and we grow up kind of comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that the top students at all the schools were Jewish kids. Often their parents were immigrants or their grandparents were immigrants and they were driven. Now there's not as much of a drive. And so you see the medical schools have more Asian students and Indian students. This might not be the most politically correct thing to say, but yeah. it's true. They're, well, they're sort of in a, it's just um, a fact. And, <laughs> Statistics. Yeah, it's a okay. Fact. Yeah. And, you're right that those kind of professions, I mean, doctors do very well, mm-hmm. but there's a sense that your education really isn't the ticket to success anymore. Mm-hmm. It's more entrepreneurship, creativity, yeah. right. relationship, yeah. and that makes more of a difference. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Well, what else do you want yeah. the listeners to know about investing or, you know, any tips that you have, experiences you want to share in building your own portfolio? And, uh, you know, thank you for your business. We really appreciate it and, and for coming on the show, sharing your story, too. But just anything you want to wrap it up with? I say just do your research. There are some providers out there, I mean, this is true not just in real estate, but in in general in sales, that just want you to get information from them. Do your research and you'll come to see, I think, at least for me, that Jason, you you look out for your clients. You I mean, I with my investment advisor, there were things that I was looking at initially and there was absolutely no pressure. There was, okay, yeah, keep asking questions, do that, research it. And not only is it better sales because you have a confident client, but also you become more knowledgeable. So I'd say do the due diligence, constantly investigate, ask questions, and also just look at the big picture. I think about that all the time. You know, there are going to be hiccups. Uh I've already experienced some hiccups and I haven't been investing that long. But overall, even with those hiccups, it's still profitable. Yeah, that's uh, the thing. Yeah, the investment has such strong characteristics that just the inertia of it even with these problems, you know, it's like a big bus, you know, rolling over a bumpy highway. Yeah, you're going to have bumps, but the bus is so big and powerful that it's just going to keep going, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's a metaphor. this is another thing you always say, but you have to take action. I love to learn. I love to listen to the podcast over and over again. I love to learn. I love to read. But you really do learn more when you act. And there's a lot of Jewish teachings about that, too. There's, you know, it says a person who learns but doesn't do is like a tree that has lots of branches but doesn't have deep roots. Mm, So, you know, you you develop those roots through action. That gives you the real experience that leads to success. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Well, Evan, thank you so much for sharing your story. And uh, we really appreciate having you on. And people just love these case studies. Listeners, if you're a client of ours and you want to be on the show, we'd love to hear from you, too. We always get great feedback on these client case study interviews. We did go off on some tangents, admittedly, but uh, (laughs) I I think it was great. So thanks for joining us, Evan. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, HartmanMedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own. And if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.